Oh, am I starting? <laughs> yes, Don. Okay. It's your turn. <laughs> Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refresh and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ronnie. And today we're talking about reading roadblocks. So each week we have a theme and our roadblock themes are some of our favorites. And Dawn, what is the roadblock that we're tackling today? Today we are tackling decision fatigue. And this is when you really want to read something. You have a TBR, a to be read list going, and you just can't find what you want to read. Yeah. And this happens to me all the time, not just with picking books, but in general, because with our ability to make decisions, we have kind of like a fuel tank for that. And each time you make a decision, you spend a little bit more fuel. And so if you've had a really busy day, if you've worked all day and you come home and you've had to decide what to cook for dinner and all of these things, then when it's time to sit down and actually read and you're not in the middle of something, it's like, oh, I got to make another decision. And you're just out of fuel to do that. And this happened to me yesterday when we we're trying to pick out a Christmas tree, which should not be that difficult of a situation, <laughs> but Don, it I- is, it really is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I managed to wear myself out between should we get real? Should we get fake? What kind of real should we get? Where will we get it? Do we have the equipment? So by the end of the day, I was like totally done. We had no tree and I had to come home and just buy one online because I couldn't face it anymore. So this works in all kinds of different ways, but for books, for sure, um, you can get stuck because you just don't know what to pick up. Um, Dawn, does this happen to you? This doesn't happen to me a whole lot because usually what I'm reading next is already decided for me by my, my job and my calendar and what clients I have booked. But when I do have those pockets of time that I get to read whatever I want, there are times that I get very overwhelmed because I have so many books that I've been wanting and I've built up this list. And then I'm like, oh, do I want that one? Do I want that one? Do I want that one? And that's sometimes where you do end up just not reading anything because you can't make a decision. Right. You end up turning on Netflix because it's just easier to sit there. Easier. (laughs) Yeah. And I would imagine it probably is harder for you too, because you have such limited time to read the things you want to read versus, I mean, not that you don't want to read your client's work, but the things that you're not paid to read. Um, whereas I have more open time for that. I can pick whatever I don't have to read. I would be so bad if somebody's assigned reading to me, like that shuts down, (laughs) like that presses all my rebel buttons. And I would be like, Nope, Nope. Not reading that. Cause you told me I need to read it. And now I'm done. So yeah, I, I would not do well with that, but so what we want to do for you today, hopefully, is give you um, first talk about the problem of decision fatigue and what that looks like and why it might happen. And then some solutions that maybe can help you pick your next book without having so much, you know, angst about it or having to put too much energy into it. So Dawn, what's the first problem that can cause this decision fatigue with picking what you want to read? Well, I know for me, one of the biggest problems is the approximately 9,786 books I have on my Kindle, plus all the books that I have on my shelves behind me, plus random books that people randomly mentioned to me that I could get like that off of whatever bookstore. So I have too many choices. 
Yes. Yes. I suffer from the same issue. So books in the grand scheme of things are cheap and some of them are free and some of them are from the library. And so it's easy to just add something to your list. And if you have a memory like me, which means no memory at all, then you have this long list and you're like, wait, why did I pick that book? Why was I interested in that book? And then you never read it because you're not excited about it anymore. So one of my solutions for this that I just started doing in the last year is that I keep a spreadsheet and Dawn knows I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> my answer to that was, of course you do. Of course you I, have a spreadsheet. Only, now caveat, I only love a spreadsheet if there's no math involved. Do not give me one of those spreadsheets that have formulas. No, this is just list really. It's a fancy list. But um, what I've been doing is when I hear a book that I want to add to my TBR, I add it to the spreadsheet, not just my Goodreads. And then it has a section on the spreadsheet. And I, I think what I'm going to do is, is take a blank one version of mine. And it's very simple, you guys, but I'll put it as a Google sheet and figure out a way to link to it. So you guys can download it if you just want to use my pre-made spreadsheet. But um, I put where I, I heard it from. So who recommended this book to me? And I have two sources because sometimes I hear it from two different places or I saw it here and then didn't decide to buy it until I heard it from the second place. And then I have a section where why did I want to read it? What did they say about it that made it interesting to me? And usually it's just one little line of something like it's a, you know, amnesia trope, or it's a, you know, captor captive romance or whatever the things that we've talked about before, but that it has a really good, you know, characterization of something. So any little note that's unique, not just heard it was a great book, like what it specifically made me pick it up really has helped because when I decide what should I read next? I go to that list and I can see, oh, I was really excited about this one because of blah, blah, blah. And now I know that that's why I wanted to read it. And I remember, and then I'm excited about it again, versus I heard this on a podcast six months ago. I was excited when I heard it. And then I have no clue why I was excited. So. Right. And that's the problem I've run into with my Kindle is I will add things to Dawn's reading list or I will add things, just buy them or go ahead and if they're on Kindle Unlimited or whatever, go ahead and click them so that I have them on my Kindle if somebody recommend it, recommends it to me or if I hear about it somewhere. And then I go back and I look at this list and I'm like, huh, wonder what that was about. Mm -hmm. uh, because I talk to authors all day long and if somebody's like, oh, have you read whatever, I immediately write it down in my little notes that I keep of our conversation. And then later I added, well, that may have been a year ago and that author is now writing in a completely different genre. And I'm looking back and I'm like, why did I download this one? Right. And if you read genre fiction, a lot of times the covers look very similar. The titles sound very similar. So it doesn't really tell you anything about why you picked it. Um, Cause if you look at a bunch of contemporary romance covers next to each other, it's a whole bunch of illustrated covers. Why one is different mm -hmm. than the other is hard to tell. So I would highly recommend, even if you don't like a spreadsheet, start making a list or a note. If you have your book journal and keep your TBR in your book journal, you can write a little note of why you chose this book. Um, or if you're adding, say, on the recommendation list in Amazon, like, you know, you can make lists in Amazon of your wish list. They leave space in there for notes. So you can put a book on your wish list and there's a little note section that you can say, I wanted this one because... And you can keep your list private so people don't you know, see your notes. You don't have to make right. fancy notes. But yeah, so keep track of that. Um, and then the other part of the big TBR, the problem that comes in is your taste change over time. So I have 
definitely experienced this. Dawn, have you seen your taste change and you have books from five years ago that you are no longer interested in? Yes. And I think we've talked about this before, but also it's, you often, you can outgrow a series or you can outgrow a genre or you can outgrow an author that you adore. And so there's times that you were very, very into whatever. And so you downloaded all of those books and then you didn't get to all of them because you kind of got oversaturated reading about all of them. And now it's a year or two later and you're very, very into something else. And you look at those other books and it was like, oh, like I, I could read those, but that's not where my deep interest is right now. Right. And what's helped me with this is because I do keep everything Goodreads. I went through, I think I spoke about this on a different episode, but I went through my 10 year long TBR list, literally 10 years and put things on an old quote unquote TBR shelf. So I named a shelf old TBR and I moved stuff that I was no longer interested, at least right now in reading. And that doesn't mean I got rid of the book off of my Kindle or that I ditched the book. Now, some of the print books I did get rid of, but I move it onto the old TBR because you never know. I might come back to something. Sometimes I go through phases. I'm going through one of those right now that I have a resurgence of I'm interested in um, historical romance, which I haven't read a bunch of in a long time. Now I'm like binge reading historical romance. So you can put it on a different list and, you know, keep it there. So you don't feel like you're getting rid of it forever, but you can shorten your TBR so that you have less decisions to make when you are picking what you want to read next. Um, and then I'm, I'm laughing because Dawn is her office. She'll post a picture, but her office has these bright windows with no curtains. And she looks literally right now, like she's a glowing fairy, <laughs> like she's just going to ignite. <laughs> but she I needs feel like I'm going to ignite. That's why I was, <laughs> it is actually like 15 degrees hotter in this seat than it is in the rest of my house right now. Yeah. I'm going to get you a sun hat. So <laughs> we're doing <laughs> you a big rimmed hat. <laughs> But um, another way that you can kind of narrow your options so that you don't have this huge pool of books that are overwhelming you to pick from is doing reading challenges. So Dawn, I know you have strong feelings about this, at least for you personally. I don't do reading challenges. And I, and I put a, a, a note in our notes of triple DRC, Dawn doesn't do reading challenges. <laughs> yes. And it's just because like we, like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, I have to do so much reading for work that if I do have something I want to read, that's where my little bitty, we all know I do not have the rebel streak that Ronnie has, um, but that's where my little bit of rebel streak kicks in of, I don't want to read that type of book right now. I want to read this type of book right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge, I have to check off the boxes person. What's that so like? It, I know, I know. <laughs> I just, I don't get that deep satisfaction that I know you do from it. Yeah. And if you are a reading challenge person, what I would say is to help with the decision fatigue part, pick challenges that are more specific without being restrictive. So I don't like a restrictive reading challenge because then I I do have that rebel button that it pushes. And I'm like, no, I'm not specifically reading a book that took place in 1875 or whatever, you know, it's too specific, but pick something that narrows the choices. Like I have a read wide challenge that I create every year. And it's like, you can pick what genres you tend to like and what subgenres so that you can make your own challenge. But that helps me versus a read 50 books in a year challenge that doesn't help with decision fatigue because that's, you could still pick any book. So if it's read this many books in this genre, then I have a little bit more direction. So I do love a reading challenge. I will be talking about my reading challenges in a future episode. So I think it's 
the last episode of this month will be our reading challenge, kind of getting ready for the year. Dawn will not be participating in the challenges, but she will talk to, talk about them with me. Create a challenge. I mean, <laughs> I was a teacher, so I can create things for other people to do. Right. I have to think about that. Right. So I have a couple in mind and I'm doing something a little different this year um, to change it up. So stay tuned and you know, listen to that episode. But the other option is, Dawn, you can go look up list of books. There are many, many lists of best of kinds of um things and different genres and different topics that you can find books if you're wanting to get excited about something. Well, and I normally do not do this because I get overwhelmed by the list or I end up with 20 new books on my TBR and I still haven't made a decision there. Mm -hmm. But tell me about how you use the list. Well, we've established I love a list. So um, (laughs) I like to have a list to work off of in, in the sense of it goes back to that challenge thing. So like right now I'm reading books off of a list of historical romances that changed the genre of romance. So those old school romances that shifted something important um, in the genre. And I'm working my way through those lists so that I can say I've read all of the ones that, you know, kind of made big changes in the genre. So that helps me choose because now I, you know, I'm trying to work off this list, but you can go and find lists for anything, best horror novels of the seventies or, you know, best thrillers of the nineties or whatever it is. And that can give you some ideas and get you excited about something. Um, The best of the year list, you know, are going to be coming out. So you can look at those. We will be doing our own best of the year list in an upcoming episode so that you can hear what we liked. Um, But the, bo- the bonus part about doing these list things is a lot of times it's backlist books, not the best of the year ones, but the other kinds. And those backlist books are way easier to get at your library um, or get a hold of cheap at the used bookstore or whatever. And so it gives you a lot of options if you're looking for you know something a little different. But Well, in some place I've been finding stuff to build my list. I don't need help building the list, but some <laughs> of the places that I found some things to build the list is um, of course, word of mouth, but on social media, like right before we did our great book adventure, an author that I really like had posted on social media asking for requests for um, suspense or thrillers that weren't too gruesome. And I was like, yes. And I wrote down every single one of those Mm -hmm. because they came with a little like recommendation from another author that I respected. So, and then if you don't know, I didn't know these things existed until somebody um, invited me to one of the groups, but they have groups like one of them that I'm on on Facebook is called Help Name That Book. Hmm. And it is absolutely, some of it is absolutely crazy pants. I mean, (laughs) because it's where people will list the summaries of books that they are looking for something similar to Mm-hmm. or something that they think they read in the past, but sometimes they're meshing a couple of things together. And sometimes it's very specific. Like I want a book about possum shifters where the <laughs> heroine wears a purple dress to their first date. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, you talking about being a mood, sh- mood reader. I've seen a lot of people pop on there and be like, hey, I'm in the mood for, you know, um, my sister just broke up with her boyfriend and found out that he was cheating. And so I want to find a book for her where the girl gets cheated on and gets an absolute happily ever after. And, um, you know, and so that's more of my place because then they'll get like 70 responses. 
Yeah. Of, oh, if you like this, read that. If you like this, read that. And so that's more of my go-to thing there. Yeah. That just sounds fun to go to the Facebook group just to read what people are <laughs> saying. It's ask you for. stunning. Some of it, um, some of it is just hilarious and no, I mean, we did our other episode on reader shame, no shaming at all. You mm-hmm. read whatever you want to read, but the spe- specificity, the specificness <laughs> that those people get into sometimes I was like, wow, I can't go into that level. If I was writing the book, I don't think I know I would be able to go into that level. Yeah. So by the way, I just p- took a picture of Dawn. <laughs> she, like, like in a historical romance, she's broken out basically like a parasol so that <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's literally sitting there with an umbrella. You guys, I took a picture. I will post it. <laughs> but okay. Dawn is braving the sun for us. Um, the next thing that you can do to help with the decision fatigue is series reading. So the reason why series do so well and why readers love them so much and why writers like writing them, honestly, is because you know what's next. Like you don't have to decide if you're loving a series, you know, I'm going to read this book and then there's another one and then there's another one. And I can, you know, take away the decision fatigue completely and just know that I have this great series that I'm going to work my way through. And I sometimes have trouble reading series these days just because I have so many books I want to read. And so I don't want to like get lost too long in one thing. However, my rad reading rec this week is a series that I have completely gotten hooked into and haven't been able to put down. So I am still susceptible to the series and it was really fun to kind of do that when I hadn't done that in a while. But um, Dawn, do you enjoy the series reading? Oh, absolutely. We know that I'm all into the series. And I actually did this last night because I have this whole stack of books that we got on our great book adventure. And then um, obviously, you know, the ones on my TBR on my Kindle that are all like, hey, read me, read me. And I sat down last night and it was like 830 and I wanted to read something, but I didn't want to commit to something and I wanted, I didn't want to take a chance on anything new. And so I totally... Um, opened up a book in a series that I love. It was, uh, it's an autobiography for me. And so I was like, I know this is going to be good. I can stop anytime I want to. (laughs) And then suddenly it was 2 (laughs) a.m. So there's that. Um, The book was the third best thing by Maya Hughes, by the way, if anybody's interested. Yeah. Um, Another option we've mentioned before in a previous episode, but it's a book flight. So this means like a wine tasting flight, you have a stack of books that you're just going to taste a little bit of, you know, read the first chapter of each one or read the first couple of pages and see what grabs you. You can do this um, with a stack from the library or a stack of your own books. And uh, Dawn, do you ever do book flight? I'm actually planning on doing this today yeah. because I have some time to read today. I'll be sitting in a waiting room for a while and I have this great stack of books that I can't figure out which one I want to start with. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to, I think I'm going to give myself about five or 10 minutes on each one, read the first chapter or two and see which one I really just don't want to leave. And then that'll be my book for the day. Is it your stack from our used bookstore adventure? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've read one of those so far and it actually landed on my rad reading rec list. So one of our used books made it on the list. Um, and then I wanted to put in some fun options. So some, I mean, not that these weren't fun book flights and series reading and all of that, but some like random, you know, silly things you can do if you're into different options for picking your TBR. So you can use a number randomizer. That's the easiest one. If you have your TBR and Goodreads on a list, 
they each have a number and all you have to do, I think it's random.org um, that you can get, go on and put in a series of numbers and it'll pick one for you. This, my rebel would be like, oh, hells no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but sometimes random is good. If you, you know, know that you would like all the books or that you're excited about all the books it can help you choose. Cause we haven't talked about that as you might be really excited about too many books, you know, and not know which one to pick. Um, Dawn, what are some of your fun options? Well, one of the ones that we're going to do that I'm kind of looking forward to is just letting somebody else pick for you. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes talking about decision fatigue, sometimes that's the best solution. Like my least favorite game ever is, I don't know what I want to eat. What do you want to eat? I hate that game. Hate it. And so there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't care. Just make a decision. Right. And so if I have, for example, I have my stack of books from our book adventure that I know I want to read all of them. I could turn those all around to my husband and say, okay, pick one. And I could take whichever one he handed me and it would be fine. Um, but you and I have talked about that for a future episode, we're going to pick a book for each other and see how that turns out. Yeah. I think this is going to be really fun because as we're doing this podcast, I mean, obviously we're friends in real life. Um, but as we're doing this podcast, we're learning more and more about the nuances of each other's reading taste. So I think it'll be a good challenge to be like, okay, what will I be able to recommend to Dawn that I think she will like based on what her specific things are, because we're very different. So to find something that I have read that I can recommend to you that I also think you would like, um, is, is going to be, you know, an extra challenge. And I think same probably for the reverse for you, but we've done this already sort of by accident because Dawn read no exit because I had recommended it. And I read ice plane of barbarians because she had recommended it. So we are going to do this more officially. And I'm sure we'll report back here on which books we choose and if they were successful or not. So I'm already starting to think of which books I would pass along to Dawn. Um, But the other thing I found, I'm going to link an article in the show notes that Book Riot had a really fun post about how to randomly pick your next what to read. Um, And it's titled Book Darts, Dice Rolls, and Other Creative Ways to Pick Your TBR. And it's a bunch of different YouTube videos that they list from different readers who come up with all these really creative and fun ways of rolling dice or picking from a book jar where you write down all the titles and everything. But the one that got me, and I think everybody should go watch, is um, this woman decided to gift wrap all of her books, like literally in wrapping paper and put them on her shelf, you know, where she didn't know which was which, and then pick randomly and open each one, you know, to read what that would be what she would read next. Now, you guys, my rebel would like, seriously, like I could not, that would be the worst case scenario for me. But what I loved about this video is her name's Jasmine and you can see when she's discussing it that she's already regretting it. <laughs> like <laughs> you can see her face is kind of like, why did I do this to myself? And because you know, it had to take a long time. She wrapped them so neatly. Forever. Um, that would take forever. Yes. And so she looked like she was already like, what did I do to myself? But it's worth a watch because it's a super fun idea. And um, you could maybe do this on a small scale, like, wrap five books or something and you know pick right one. yes but yeah if I wrapped all of these books behind me on the shelf <laughs> I would be here for days so no and then I would be all like trying to figure out this one's this size and it's hardback and I bet you mm-hmm. it's this book like I'd be trying to game the system before I even started but if you want some fun options they had a whole bunch in that article um 
with YouTube videos and stuff. And they're just fun to watch anyway, if you like books, you know, even if you're not going to do any of them. So I, I'll make sure I put that link in our notes. Yeah. I had no idea that was a thing. I had no idea (laughs) videoing, picking out your next book was a thing, but now I'm going to have to go check all those out. Yeah. I think everything is a thing now. So everything you can possibly think of. Um, We're recording a podcast and I'm sitting indoors holding an umbrella. So (laughs) things are things. We're just at that place. Um, And then the next problem that we're going to talk about, and this is what the problem would be for that whole wrapping every book that I have is I am a mood reader by nature. That is just how I'm wired and I cannot predict my mood, which I'm sure my husband can can attest to. My mood is not predictable. Um, but I don't know what I'm going to want to read next after I read something. Cause whatever the book is I'm reading is going to put me in a certain place of either. I want more of this, or I want something completely different or, you know, so I can't predict, I can't even say these are the next five books I'm going to read. Like I cannot, I can't, I can't do that far ahead. So if you are a mood reader like me, how do you work around that? Um, when you're trying to pick your next book, um, Don, you're not a mood reader. So this isn't a problem for you, right? No, I'm not a big mood reader. And I've mentioned that before, but I think uh, it's because I have certain books that I have to read. It doesn't matter if I'm in the mood for it or not, but I'm more of a, I know I don't want that reader. Mm-hmm. And so I know there's certain books I don't want to read because I don't want to cry. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to read something that's going to freak me out when I'm home alone. And I'm home alone, like maybe 2% of the time in my life. And I, I still don't want that. Um, and then I'll have, I'll be thinking, you know, I don't want to read this thriller because it's already 9 PM and I know I won't stop. And I have to point out this didn't work for me last night at all <laughs> because I started the third best thing at eight 30. I finished at 2 AM and I cried. So evidently <laughs> I have no control over any of this. <laughs> I was a failure on that, but it's a really good book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for me, sometimes with the mood reading is I don't know what mood I'm in. So I finish and I'm kind of in like, I don't know what I feel like. So for me, what is best is I have to get excited about something. So something has to spark. I need to read this book right now feeling. And so if you're having trouble finding that spark, listen to things like you're doing now, listening to bookish podcasts, because I find when I hear other people excited about a book that that excitement's contagious to me. So I'm like, mm-hmm. now I don't care what I was going to read next. I'm reading this thing that she just said was awesome. Like, cause it's fresh in my head. So listen to bookish podcast. I've been listening to faded mates with um, Sarah McLean and Jen. I don't remember what her last name is, but she's a blogger and it's all romance. So if you're not a romance reader, you know, your mileage may vary on this one, but they dig into tropes and they read old school romance books and all of that. But it is completely like, re-energized my love of romance because I've mentioned before in the podcast, I don't read a ton of romance since I write it. I kind of take breaks from my job by reading other things, but I've been reading nothing but romance. (laughs) I started listening to Fate of Mates. So I'm back in a romance mood and I'm really happy about it. Um, So if you need to get excited, bookish podcasts are an option or do what Dawn and I did and just go randomly wander a bookstore. We have so much fun. And you should totally check out, we have pictures on Instagram and on Facebook of our adventure. We had a great time and um, we listed all the books that we got. So, and one of the books that I got that I haven't got to talk about yet is a book about writing and selling romance novels that was written in 1983. I cannot (laughs) wait for the wisdom that is going to come out of this. Yes, me neither. I'm so interested in what what romance writing was like back in the 80s. So very different market. Um, 
And then if you are interested in this kind of getting excited about books, go to our distraction detox episode. We gave some of these tips, but a lot more tips on how to kind of reignite um, getting excited about reading. So another option is keeping a variety of books in your TBR if you're a mood reader. So make sure that you don't just have one thing because if you're just read that thing and you're tired of that thing, <laughs> you need something completely different. So make sure, I mean, obviously I'm a writer, so buy all the books, go get all the books. <laughs> yes. All the books, all, all the, the books. books. And here's the secret. You can cheat on your books. Yes. You don't have to commit to only reading one book or only reading or only listening at one time. You can slide around all you want on that. Yes. And I do that all the time. I'm usually listening to one audiobook, reading fiction, and then also have a nonfiction book probably, you know, on the side. So yes, you can switch around and, you know, deal with your mood and how, how it's happening at the moment. So, okay. The other problem that we wanted to dive deep into and a little deeper than what we've done on this previous two problems is this is a big one. So you keep picking up books, you decide, you, you get past the decision fatigue and pick up a book and then you don't like it and you keep having this happen. And that makes you less likely to pick up something or to get kind of that decision, like paralysis of everything I pick up, I'm really not enjoying. Am I broken? <laughs> you know, right. or is it the books that I'm picking? So we're going to talk about some options and some methods that you can use to get better at picking your next book. Well, and it's so important that you learn to figure out which books work for you. And even if you want to step out of that box a little bit, you know, which direction to step. Right. And I think a lot of us fall into the trap of we get wooed by what everybody else is reading. So in the book marketing world, I will tell you, you know, when, from this side of it, of being a writer, you see the same books in the media or on Instagram or your Facebook over and over and over again. And so it can start to feel like this book must be the best thing ever, even though it's not really something that I would normally read, or even if it's what, and then you pick it up and it's like, why, why are people so interested in this? Why is it such a thing? And so if you get stuck into that buzz books thing, you really can burn yourself out with, maybe I don't like reading because right. everything I pick up, you know, is that. Well, and a lot of times that comes from, you want to be part of the conversation. You mm -hmm. want to see what all the excitement is about. And then once you are not part of that conversation, because you don't get it, because trust me, we've talked on other shows too, about how there's some multi huge, big bestsellers that we don't get. Um, then you feel like you're missing, like you said, there's something wrong with me. And it must be that I don't enjoy reading or I don't understand good writing or something. And that's not true. It's just not your thing. And that's okay. Right. And I'm going to put in a little plug for our very first episode here about our DNF episode of the, the power of the DNF and the permission to do that. So if you're picking up a lot of books that you don't like, stop reading them all the way to the end. <laughs> like, please stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> it is okay to not finish a book. Yes. Nobody is grading you. No. Um, but if you are trying to find, figure out what do I like or how to, you know, cause we think about what we like a lot because we're in this business. So we're like drilling down into all the little, what tropes do we like and which kind of character aspects do we like? And not, you know, every reader is going to do that. So how do you kind of pick up some of those things so you can help yourself? Um, one is the easiest way is to find somebody who is a book twin to you, who, you know, either it's a friend or a podcast or, you know, you can pick one of us if we have similar tastes to you. Um, or a book blogger, 
or a bookstagrammer that they tend to pick books that you have liked. So then, you know, okay, they're kind of a tastemaker for me, like their taste fits for me. And I can just look at what they're reading and usually be pretty successful. Um, So that's an easy way to do it without having to drill down too much into what do I specifically like? It's like a cheat. So if you find one of those, make sure they're, they're precious. (laughs) Your book twin is precious. Hold on to them. (laughs) Yes. Treat them well. Yes. Um, But if you want to get deeper into it, Don and I were talking, you know, what's the way to do that. And the best way that we use is learn how to read reviews. Don, when you're going to pick your next read, do you tend to go and look at the reviews on Goodreads or Amazon? I do. And this is actually part of a service I do for some of my clients because um, usually it's not good for authors to read their own reviews. No. And so there's, <laughs> there's times that for clients, I will go through and read the reviews and pull out what is useful and pull out what um, patterns are there and that kind of thing. And so when we're looking at these reviews, that's what you're looking for is you're looking for a pattern that you like words that jump out to you that make you interested in that book. Right. And if you don't know specifically what those words look like, the easiest thing is to think of your favorite books. What are the books you absolutely love? And then go and look up reviews. And so what are the words that keep recurring every time you pull up those books that are your favorites? Is it great characterization? Is it a twisty plot that it's steamy or it's sweet, um, that it's fast moving or slow burn? So any of those words that keep coming up, thoughtful, well-written, whatever it is, things that are very specific to the stories. And you can start to find your own patterns of, oh, hey, everyone I look up says really like twisty plot. So I must like books with twisty plots. And then think about if you were reviewing your favorite books, if you aren't a person who writes reviews, what would you say about it? What were the things you love the most? And see if those words come up as well. Okay, so we did this. We looked at some of the reviews for the books that we came up with. So talk about some of the things that you found out about your own reviews. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun to just look at two books that I've read recently um, to see in books that I know wouldn't necessarily be like, I wouldn't have looked at them and said, oh, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. Like it wasn't a romance or whatever. So I went and looked up Cackle, which I talked about by Rachel Harrison. I talked about on a previous episode. And then I looked up Joyland by Stephen King. So the words that came up for cackle were smart, clever, and different. And that resonated with me because I do, I write like really smart writing. Um, and I like, you know, something that's a little left of center. So it's just a little different than the norm. It's just, it's a little harder to define the genre, you know, it kind of crossed a couple of genres. So that intrigues me. I like things that, I mean, that's kind of the books I write. So my books are romances, but they always kind of nod towards other genres. So that interests me. And then for Joyland, it was coming of age, great characters, and once again, different. So that seems to be my key word is something that's different, which I would have probably been able to pick out for myself. But when I kept seeing it, I was like, oh, that totally makes sense that I really, the books that stand out the most are the ones that are a little different. How about you, Don? Did you go through this exercise? I looked at Riley Thorne and the dead guy next door which was a romantic comedy and the things that stuck out to me was fun, exciting, great, loud, great ride, laugh out loud, not a great loud. Um, (laughs) And it compared it to Stephanie Plum, which is a series that I love. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I picked was the one I think I recommended on our last episode, which was breath of deceit by Selena Lawrence. And the word that stuck out there was crime family. And I knew right then I'm hooked because I love the mafia crime families, those kind of stories. 
But then other things that made it absolutely a good read for me is suspense, tension, twist, passion, sexy. Yes, I'm here for all of that. Right. And you can do this in the reverse. So you can do it where you look at the books you hated and see what people are saying about the books you hated. So for me, like if I go and I see that a romance is described as adorable or hilarious, for me, I know, yep, I'm out. Because I mean, it's, it's going to be over the top comedy. And I don't like the slapstick kind of stuff that it gets a little too goofy or a little too unrealistic. Some people love that. So I'm not judging it. But I like my romance a little bit more rooted in real people reality, like things that would actually happen to people on the street and stuff, you know. So, well, you know with some extra bonus, really hot guys and, you know, steamy love scenes, but, um, or if it says, and me and Dawn are on both of these, if it says shocking twist, that, yeah. that can mean a, it hinges completely on a twist. And so a book that hinges completely on a twist for me almost always falls flat because either a, I've guessed the twist already or B I don't care. We've talked about this before that I don't care about the twist. If the rest of the story didn't do it for me, I need to like care about the characters and stuff. And a shocking twist can also mean our big red flag dawn, which is what burns unreliable narrators. We are not okay with those anymore. Those, those, well, in my issue with the shocking twist is that I like to solve the puzzle mm-hmm. and I like for there to be a fair chance for me to solve the puzzle. And so if the shocking twist is, the messenger who showed up and dropped something off in chapter one and you never saw them again is actually the murderer. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like ones that I couldn't have guessed either. That, that irritates me too. Even though I don't read a ton of thrillers when that happens, I'm, I throw the book against the wall. So, um, (laughs) so look for your top books and your books you hated, pull out those words. And then when you're starting to try to decide what to read next, you can look and see, okay, this book says that it's, character driven and funny and sexy. And that's what I like. And so my chances are going to be higher picking that book um, than the other book. However, caveat is don't just go and read those first top reviews on Amazon or Goodreads. So, you know, when you go on there, they're not ranked by recency. They're ranked by top review, how many have been voted up and the things that get voted up are not necessarily the most accurate of reviews. So two kinds get voted up. One kind is what? Really good, gushy. This is amazing. It's the best thing ever. Yes. And I'm telling you, insider secret, you guys, a lot of times that is somebody in that author's like reader fan group that went on there and gushed and then other people went and voted it up. So there's that kind. And then there's the other kind, which is the negativity bias one is this book might have all four and five stars, but it has one, one star review. I'm not speaking from experience (laughs) that... (laughs) gets voted up to the top. So if you read just that one and you don't look at the rest of the reviews, you're going to get a very, you know, biased opinion because people vote up negative too. They just, people like a rant um, or something. And a lot of times those negative reviews, and I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about it, have inaccurate information. (laughs) Yes. As I said, this is a service I do for some of my clients because those negative reviews can really get in their heads. And so I go through and read them. And sometimes I'm like, did you even read the book? Have you even opened a book? Mm -hmm. Um, The fun thing I found for just a small little insider thing for um, people who are looking at these reviews is I have one client 
that a person left the same review, same one-star review on three different books. All it said was weird sex, (laughs) which did not describe the book at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was copied and pasted because weird was spelled wrong the -hmm. same way on all three reviews. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're not, I mean, if a book consistently has negative reviews, that's a different situation. But if you look a lot of times, it's just one that got, you know, voted up because it said something in it. I mean, I have erotic romances that get reviews that you negative review because it had sex in it. It literally is labeled erotic romance. There were half naked people on the cover. So right. what did you think? <laughs> well, and what I've found with this is a good place to, to find the middle of the road is to look at the three stars mm-hmm. because three stars and sometimes four stars, but three stars are generally, they're not gushing. They don't absolutely love it. They didn't absolutely hate it, or they don't have some kind of vendetta. It's usually a thought out. This is what I liked. This is what I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look at three stars. And then what I do, especially um, on Amazon is I go and click the most recent, especially if it's an older book, you know, not just fresh out, because if you go to most recent, you get people a, especially if it's an older book, you get more modern opinions because some books don't age well. Um, And then you also get just kind of the general reader opinion. It wasn't like a super fan who bought it on the first day um, or whatever. So you get like a general reader who's telling you what they liked or didn't like. So I trust more recent reviews and I trust usually three, three star reviews better because there's, like you said, there, there's no purpose in the sense of they're not trying to be mean and they're not trying to cheer. They're just saying what they thought about the book. Um, well, and the purpose of reading these reviews, remember, is to find how it matches your style mm-hmm. or how it matches what you enjoy. And so if it is a three star review that, like you said, I really liked this book, except for the sex scenes were a little too much for me. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who really enjoys steamy reads, then you're like, oh, okay, that right. works for me. Even though that would be considered a negative in the person who left that reviews mm-hmm. for you, that's absolutely what you're looking for. Sure. Yeah. I bet you that weird sex review that your client is getting <laughs> probably has sold some books like weird sex. What is that? Let me buy that. Um, and then my last recommendation for this is the story graph story graph website I can talk um and it's very much like goodreads so it has where you can add your tbr and you can rate books and all of that but what I like about story graph is they have a little kind of questionnaire for the book that you can put is it character driven or plot driven is it fast paced or medium paced or slow paced and so readers fill out these same things for each book so when you look up a book it'll show you 70% of readers think that it's fast paced or you know, 40% think it's character driven or is the character likable or not? Like they have one for that. So you can get a better idea just looking at those little charts of, oh, this is a completely plot driven book. So for me, you know, that might not be my thing for Dawn. It would be like, yes, this is great. So if you want to look up a book on Storygraph, they have a really big catalog of books, just like Goodreads. You can find almost anything on there. And then also if you put your own books in there, like your own TBR, Um, It will recommend books based on if you mostly have fast paced books on your TBR, if you mostly have character driven, it'll, you know, recommend other ones for you. So um, I'll put the link in the show notes for the StoryGraph website, but I've found a lot of help um, doing that. Pretty sure I'm going to lose a couple of hours of my life to that website at some point over the holidays when I have some time, because that sounds like someplace that I would just be absolutely fascinated for a while. Yes, you, yeah, you would love it. And you can... (laughs) 
upload from Goodreads your list. So if you have, if you're a person who has a TBR in Goodreads, you can download, I think you can download a spreadsheet from Goodreads and then upload it to Storygraph and it'll put all of your TBR automatically in there. So you don't have to physically go in and add every book, um, which, you know, I totally did that. And so it was, yeah, it was a project just to get on there and stuff. So I would definitely say, um, give yourself some time. The upload button. Yes. Well, I didn't add each one of mine individually. I did the upload button, but then like, it doesn't always pick the right cover. And I had to go switch those out because I'm a perfectionist <laughs> and you know, yeah. So whatever, that's just, just a me problem. Um, but those are our tips for, if you're having trouble picking your next read, we hope that those help you out. And if you want to hear us talk about something that we're excited about, it's now time for our red reading recs of the week. It is. Do I get to go first? Yes, you get to go first this week, Dawn. Okay. So mine is an older book, um, but I love the series. It is Mercy Street by Mariah Stewart. And it's the first book in a three book series, but these can absolutely be read as standalones. You could read them out of order. There might be a mild spoilers if you read them out of order, but the they're not a it's not a lifetime commitment because there's not 26 books in the series. And um, each book wraps up a plot. Mm-hmm. The mystery is wrapped up. And so um, the first one is Mercy Street. And it is about, uh, there's four high school seniors, three boys and one girl. And they go to a park one night. And the next morning, two of the boys are dead. And they're found shot in the park. And the one of the boys and the girl are gone. And they can't find them. And so since nobody can find them, the authorities assume that they're the ones who did the shooting Mm -hmm. and that they're on the run. And so the missing boy's grandmother is a secretary at a church and the priest hires um, a detective on her behalf to try to find, find these kids, find out what happened, solve everything. And the um, it's a private investigator and who is also a true crime author. So, you know, we're going to love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but her name is Mallory and she has worked with the police force and she ended up retiring or resigning actually, because there was basically a smear campaign against her. Mm-hmm. And this is where you have to remember this book was written in 2009 and a lot has changed since 2009. So some of the stuff that happened to her professionally probably wouldn't have been allowed today. Mm-hmm. But just remember that that's when the book was written. So the priest hires her, but it's being financed by his cousin, um, this guy named Robert uh, Magellan, who is a bazillionaire, basically. (laughs) And he um, has his own tragedy in that his wife and his son just disappeared. His wife and his infant infant son just disappeared. So that's kind of a subplot in this one. Um, this is really about Mallory working with Charlie, who's the detective who's still on the police force and on the case. Now, a little bit of a romance happens there, you know, and it's about them finding out what happened to these kids and solving that mystery. So, uh, it's sometimes listed as a romantic suspense. It's not your typical romantic suspense. The romance is a very small part of it. It's more about them creating this team. Mm -hmm. and um that goes into the other two books it doesn't end on a cliffhanger like i said it does wrap up what happened to the kids 
It does not solve the mystery of the wife and the son, though. So just going into it, know that that's an overarching mystery for the entire three book series. Okay. This one actually, listening to the setup of like them going into the park, that hooks me. So that sounds interesting to me, even (laughs) though I don't read um, a ton of suspense that that was intriguing. Um, Mine is, I was talking about, I got sucked into a series for the last week or so. And so mine is, um, I'm going to give you now, this is very like non-Ronnie like, but it's the Wallflowers series by Lisa Claypus. What's non-Ronnie like is I'm giving you books two and three. I have not read book four yet. And I liked book one, but I didn't like love it. So I'm not making that my rad wreck. You can start, you know, with any one you want. I I still would start with one, even though I, I didn't love it as much as two and three. I think it did add something to two and three to have it. So, you know, your mileage may vary on that, but the ones I'm recommending are it happened one autumn in devil and winter. And like I said, these are Lisa Claypas. So this is historical romance. Um, and the series is called the wallflower series because it's about four women who are the wallflowers of the ballroom. So for some reason, um, each one has something that's keeping them from getting a husband and in historical romance as a woman, you had to get a husband if you wanted to have, you know, any kind of life. So anything, yes. So they are sitting in the ballroom in the first book and they hadn't really talked to each other very much. They've been at every ball and they're always kind of the ones sitting, you know, on the side together. So they decide we're going to make a pact and we're going to get each other husbands. We're going to help each other get husbands. So each book is them kind of focusing on one of the wallflowers to get them married. And, and it happened one autumn, Lillian Bowman in She's an American, which you don't see as much in historical romances. So she's in England, but she's an American heiress. So she doesn't have, you know, aristocratic blood. She just has money. Um, and her hero is Lord Marcus Westcliff, who is definitely in the aristocracy. And um, he's like this uptight Earl. He's got very strict, you know, feelings about things of he's going to get a marriage of convenience. Like he's, he's not interested in love and romance and all of this. And he is definitely offended completely by how brash and, you know, just not proper Lillian is like, he catches them in one scene playing it's called rounders, but I think it's like pre baseball basically, Mm. but she's in her, you know, under things with the other girls because you can't run the bases and dresses (laughs) and corsets. And he's just horrified, you know, that they're doing these things. So the under things is probably more clothes than I have on right now, wearing (laughs) jeans and a t-shirt. Yes. Pants and all that stuff. But um, I love that the hero, I mean, the heroine is just like this brash, like, I really don't care that he's stuffy and he can just get over it. You know, like she is not here to try to be demure. Um, And so she pushes all of his buttons and he does everything he can to resist her. And in the meantime, she's getting courted now by Sebastian St. Vincent, which is one of the best romance names. <laughs> yeah. These are the best romance hero names. Yes. And he's this like rake who sleeps with everybody and charms all these women and sleeps with married women, but he needs money. So he's courting Lillian and um, Lord Westcliff is not happy because he doesn't want Lillian because she's way too brash and, you know, just pushes all his buttons, but he's not going to get her either because Lord St. Vincent is his friend. Um, and Lord St. Vincent ends up doing a terrible thing. That's I'm not going to give away because it's going to give away black moment stuff in the book, but really like exciting things in a historical romance. And what I loved about it is St. Vincent's kind of like the villain in book two. 
And then he gets his own book in book three, which is Devil in Winter. And if you hear people talk about this series, the one that they call out as their favorite and like a favorite of all time historical romance is Devil in Winter. So book three is the one that gets all the the press, you know, um, because he needs a super redemption. Lord St. Vincent is not a good guy in book two. And you're like, how? How are they going to redeem this guy into being a hero? And Lisa Kleypas is a master. So she definitely does it. Um, But his heroine is Evie and she's really, really shy. She's the shyest of the wallflowers. She has a stutter and it gets worse when she's nervous. So she doesn't talk to a lot of people, but she has this horribly abusive family and she's willing to do anything to get out of that family because her family wants her to marry her cousin. Cause she's, she also has money if she, you know, she's an heiress, but if she gets married out of the family, then the money goes to her husband. If she gets married to the cousin, the money stays in the family. So she's willing to do anything to escape this. So she just at the beginning of book three shows up to Lord Vincent's house unaccompanied in an historical romance. This is shocking. Okay. <laughs> yes. And he's like the rake who seduces everybody. So she's going to be alone with him. And she basically sits down and in her quiet, stuttery, you know, personality way is like, I think we should get married and we should do that tonight because you need my money and I need to get out of this family. And so I loved that. Like this heroine who was like this shy, shy wallflower is like going to this like beautiful guy who sleeps with everybody can charm the pants of anybody. He's like, no, no, we should just get married right now. Um, and he's desperate for money. So he's like, okay, let's go. So, um, they go to Gretna green, which is, I think is in Scotland. So they can elope. I guess Gretna green was like the Vegas of historical times. Um, and they have to consummate it to make the marriage official. So you have to sleep with your husband. Otherwise it can get annulled. So she does it once. And then she's like, yeah, I'm not sleeping with you again because you sleep with everybody that moves and I'm not going to get my heart broken. And he's like, wait, you, you want me to not sleep with my wife? And she's like, well, you can sleep with me again if you stay celibate for six or three months. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I will die if I'm celibate for three months. And she's like, well, good luck with that. So I love that she like pushed this notorious rake to be like, he wants her. So he's going to try to do this celibacy thing for three months um, to get the right to touch her again. So I'm looking forward to the fourth book, but if you want to get lost in a series, and I think especially historical romance at Christmas time, I don't know. Cause it just feels cozier and there's all these dresses and balls. And I did this again. I always say balls. <laughs> there's all these balls. There are many kinds of balls in this book. And there's dancing too. <laughs> and there goes our clean rating again. But if you would like something to get lost in and you like historical romance, or if you've never tried historical romance, I think this is a perfect entry series um, to try because it really is a page turner. I read all of these in like three days. I mean, it was constant. I couldn't put them down. So those are my, or two, I get this time I'm cheating my rad reading picks of the week. Dawn, you kind of cheated too, because you recommended a series. So we're both cheating today. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and staying with us. And if you would share us with people and subscribe and click little stars on our rating, we would be very, very happy. Yes. That would be a great Christmas present for the podcast. If you want to go review us, happy Christmas. (laughs) And next week we'll be talking about bookish gifts and how to pick books for the people in your life, which is a tough thing to do. Um, So tune in for that. And until next time, we hope every book you pick up is Rad Reading.
Bye, you guys. Bye. Dawn, I can't with you with the umbrella. <laughs> but, but look, look, when I don't have the umbrella, it's this. No, I understand, <laughs> so but, you, but you literally held the umbrella for like 45 minutes. <laughs> I know, my hand hurts. It's really heavy. Oh, the things you do for the podcast.